Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Kathy Schmidt with Schmidt Realty Group in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Last year, she closed 162 transactions with a total sales volume of $68 million. Her average sales price was 424000 of which 51% were buyers and 49% were sellers. She has a 23-member team, 17 realtors, 11 are new interns, one general manager, one finance assistant, one marketing assistant, one office assistant, and two team owners. Kathy Schmidt is the team leader of the Schmidt Realty Group. She's been an agent for 23 years. In this call, Kathy talks about selling 27 homes her first year, staying positive through transition and change, her morning ritual that starts her off on the right foot, looking for three pieces of evidence that you are on the right track, her planning process using SMART goals, how she generated 76% of her closings by repeating referrals from past clients and sphere of influence, the newsletter she mails to her sphere, the electronic Schmidt report she emails to her past clients, her annual Pi Day event, the referral rewards program, focus networking and why it works, new recruit eight-week boot camp, team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Kathy. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be here. Hey, Kathy. Thanks for joining us. Kathy, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, I'm probably one of the few people who got into real estate without ever having sold anything other than maybe lemonade at a stand when I was about six. <laughs> um, honestly, had no sales experience whatsoever. My background actually is accounting. I'm a CPA. So uh, I was working in that field for, for many years. And I always had the idea in the back of my mind that it would be a good basis for anything that I would do in the future, uh, potentially in my own business, but I had no immediate plans. But um, so that's that's what I did in terms of training. And I worked uh, for you know city city governments. I worked in public practice. Worked for some large corporations. But my challenge was I would always get bored. I get bored easily. And uh, setting up new systems was great, but uh, you know just watching them then you know be maintained didn't really do a lot for me. And then as I found, I would get you know promoted, which is great if you're you're doing well. Um, but then I'd be working crazy crazy hours and not necessarily feeling that what I was doing was really making a contribution to anyone or anything. I'm sure in the big picture it was, but for me being a small cog and a big wheel, I couldn't see it. I, and I didn't get that sense of satisfaction that I was really looking for in, in my work. 
And about the same period of time, um, my husband was having some health issues. He's had a, a heart condition for m- much of his life, but it was sort of at a critical point at that stage in our in our life. And you know, when that happens, you really do kind of take stock, and it's a, a kind of a gift in, in the way we look at it in terms of what we learned, you know, really quite early on in our marriage, and and really quite as young people. And that is really, if you're not happy with something, change it. You know, no one else is going to do it for you, and this is the only life we get. And that kind of gets drummed home when you're in your 20s and you leave your husband in cardiac ICU a few times. So that's uh, that was the gift that we learned in all of that. And so when I realized, you know, I'm not really enjoying working these these kinds of hours for someone else without the kind of control and flexibility that I would really like to have and without that sense of satisfaction that I really, really wanted. So we decided to to make the change and I went into real estate and um, my husband went back to school and I'm happy to say his health is, is really good now, but he went back to school and uh, finished his social work degree. And then when it was in the middle of getting his master's and my business was starting to take off and I kind of wheeled him in and reeled him in, I should say, to uh, to join me. So that's the that's the story really of, of how I got into this. And I think the only other thing I would add is, is, you know, in terms of why real estate is I just found it fascinating. I found it fascinating. Um, I don't, didn't know a lot of realtors. I hadn't been pulled into it by anybody else. But the whole idea of, you know, this is where we spend our lives. This is, you know, a big investment as well. Everybody's story is different. And the variety of it really, really appealed to me. And honestly, Mike, I can tell you, I have never been bored. It will be 23 years this September. I have never been bored once. Maybe once or twice I've prayed for some boredom, but I have never been (laughs) bored. Um, Every family situation is different. You know, you could have three people, you know, selling the same, almost identical townhouse. And those are going to be three different transactions. And you've got three different families with three different sets of circumstances, three different sets of buyers and three other realtors. There's going to be a lot of variety. And I think that's what I really enjoy about it. And also the fact that it's it's wonderful short-term projects too, you know. You can see the beginning and the middle and the end. And then there's the personal satisfaction. I get a whole lot more, you know, hugs in in this business from my team and from (laughs) my clients than I necessarily did, you know, working as an accountant. Um, And, you know, I had great places to work and I worked with some great people. But for me, this is has just been um, the right, it's been the right fit. And I've had the privilege of, of working at, you know, as a realtor, as a team leader, and now as, as a broker owner. When you first got started, did you have a fast start or a slow start? Well, I didn't really know what kind of a start I was having, to be honest, because again, I had no benchmark really. Um, I, you know, I just started, you know, working my sphere and basically letting people know what I was doing. And um, I was fortunate. I knew a fair number of people and I had some really, really good friends and acquaintances who were very kind and supported me and went out of their way to send me business and to trust me with their own business. I remember my, one of my very first transactions, a friend of mine, John, as I was writing the offer, he said to me, Kathy, he says, so how many houses have you sold now? And he was really excited for me. And we were writing an offer on his house. And I said, well, John, I said, um, that would be, um, you mean like including this one? And he said, yeah. And we were, we were out for dinner writing this offer. And I said, well, I guess that would be um, two. And he burst out <laughs> laughing and he said, so I have time for dessert. 
I said, you have time for two salad, <laughs> dessert, you know, coffee, and to walk around the block a few times. This is going to take a while. So I feel very, very grateful to um, you know, my friends, family, acquaintances who all said, listen, we know you as a person. We trust you. We know you've got, you know, a finance and accounting background. Um, so that makes sense to us. And we're going to, we're going to just reach out and, and stretch ourselves and trust you and uh, support you in this endeavor. So that really helped. Um, so my first year I did, I think it was 27 transactions. And I didn't know if that was good, bad, you know, indifferent till my manager called me in and said, well, congratulations, you've had a really good first year. I said, oh, really? I had no idea. You know, so I had really had no um, no benchmark. So that was kind of that was kind of cool in a way. You know, it just goes to show if you you know you don't know what the limit is. Um, you know, you just you just go right, and things start to happen. And since then, really, um, the growth is very organic. I have always focused on referrals and past clients and fear. So it has literally been one more branch of the tree as, as I, you know, help another family. Um, and now I'm finding referrals are coming in terms of my realtors referring other realtors to our brokerage. So it's always been on that referral basis for me. Let's move forward to today. How many homes did you sell last year? Last year was 162. And, you know, I guess it's not a, it's not a bad number, but it certainly isn't a typical number for, uh, for myself and my team. I went through quite a transition in the last couple of years. I'm happy to share a bit more about that. But, but yeah, we did about 162 houses last year for worth about 68 million. Would you mind sharing with us what the GCI was? That'd be one, about one, yeah, give or take 1.3 million. You mentioned a little bit of transition. Let's give a little bit of depth for people. What was your best year and what year was it? That'd be 2012, and we did 271 sides that year. Do you recall the, the sales volume in the GCI that year? That'd be about $97 million volume and 1.9 GCI. Wow, that is great. And and so there there was a little bit of a difference there, but you're you're anticipating things to come back again this year. What do you anticipate for uh your sales to be this year? I've got a target of two forty four and I think we're I think we're pretty strongly on track to do that. I'd love to say we're gonna hit that two seventy one that we hit before, but uh, next year I'd like to see us hit three hundred, so my goal next year will be to surpass that. But that two forty four should put us pretty close to that one point nine GCI simply because there's been a shift in prices since uh since two thousand and twelve here. Let's try to dissect what happened there. So in 2012, you, you hit 271 transactions. Last year was down to 162. You're looking at going back up this year. What's going on? What, what happened that caused that change? You know, it's interesting, isn't it? I'm so glad you used the word change. Um, I love change. Uh, even when it's challenging, I do, I do tend to love change. Some people find it a drain. I find it quite energizing. But we had a lot of change all at once. And, you know, sometimes things happen at a trickle in terms of change, and sometimes it's literally everything happening at the same time. So we had our office manager of 13 years uh, move on to doing something different with her life, and that's all good, and we're happy for her. But that was a big, big shift for us. And at the same time, we had a couple of people step out of real estate completely from our team, and we also then had a couple of people decide to you know, spread their wings and, and just do something different in terms of their real estate career. 
And when you're running as a team of about, you know, 12 people and, you know, a couple step out of real estate completely and a couple step out to do something different in real estate and your office manager steps out and then your uh, second full-time staff goes on maternity leave a couple of weeks later, it's a great opportunity to, uh, <laughs> you have to look for the opportunity. It's a great opportunity to look at things and, from scratch and say, what's working, what's not? And you know what? We now have an opportunity to say, how do we want this to look going forward? What can we do better? What can we make even stronger than it is today? So that's what we did. I sat back and said, okay, well, this change is happening. You know, I can't, I can't stop it. And, you know, what's going to be good coming out of this? How can I bring something really great out of this? Not just for, you know, myself and the brokerage, but for the realtors who are already with us and, and for our clients. So I literally took our business apart line by line. And when I say line by line, I mean every single line on our, you know, financial statement, everything we're doing in terms of our marketing processes, um, our training process was already really strong, but we really ramped that up and formalized it and layered the learning and now it's just stellar and people are actually seeking us out because of that. Now that might not have happened to the same degree without this transition. Um, similarly, some of the marketing things we're doing now that are that are really working well for us, we wouldn't have done if we hadn't had to maybe you know, dig a little bit deeper and find some some new things. So there's lots of, of good things that have come out of it. Um, we always, I think, were good at holding our people accountable and they hold themselves accountable, but we formalize that. And what I'm seeing now from our, our interns coming through our training process, between that and the, the strengthened accountability is I'm seeing them launch faster. I'm seeing them launch better. And I feel like I'm providing a better level of service and support to them because we did this taking a part of everything. We've also really took a good long look at our business model. And, you know, that's a challenging thing to do. You know, I mean, I'm like any other small business owner in any other business. You know, I'm pretty proud of my business and I'm pretty personally invested in it. So I'm not going to say it was an easy thing to say, well, let's look at it all and does something need to change or how could something change and be even stronger. But I looked at it and I said, what did I do when I built the brokerage to begin with? What did I do when I first started my team in 2001? And the answer was I sat back and said, is this a game that I would play if I was a realtor looking for a team? And then in 07, when I opened the brokerage, the question was, is this a game that I would play if I was a realtor looking for a brokerage? And I sat back and I asked myself that question again and said, how can I make this even sweeter for someone in terms of you know joining us? How can I make it even sweeter and stronger in terms of retention? And so we really revised our business model. I think I think at the end of the day, what it forced me to realize is that, you know, people all are going to at some point step away and do something different. You know, no one's going to come and stay forever. And that's very okay. Um, life comes along, you know, whether it's someone getting transferred and a family member getting transferred or um, any number of reasons that people can decide that maybe real estate's no longer for them or they want to do something different. So the challenge is how do we you know, accept that and, and embrace that and make that just fine and just a part of our business model. For me, that came down to having a larger team. Um, when you're a team, like I said, you know, a dozen or so people and, you know, you have maybe four step out for very various legitimate reasons, all of a sudden, you know, you really, you do notice it. Of course you do. You miss the people and from the business point of view, you notice it as well. And I didn't want to feel that again. I really, and I didn't want anyone to feel obligated ever or pressured in terms of their own production. I want realtors to be on board our brokerage and our team 
feeling that they are in charge of their own destiny and yet they're also part of a team. So they can set their own goals. It doesn't mean that they don't all want to do a good amount of business, but it varies by season. You know, some in some seasons, someone's going to really push hard and really want to go for the dollars. In other seasons of life, they may want to pull back. I know for myself right now, I'm taking a bit of, of extra time and, uh, you know, going to visit my folks more often. They're at a stage of life where I want to be able to do that. So various things like that can have an impact. And by having a larger team, I no longer have a situation where if someone needs to step out, that they, they feel badly, they're letting the team down in terms of production. They know there's a good-sized team and everybody's busy selling and, you know, it, it all is just fine if they need to step out and do something different for six months or a year or whatever. So it just allows there to be a little more air and breath and I think for people to have more freedom to set their own goals within our team, not feeling they have to hit quotas, etc. So I rejigged it to improve the splits for the team. That's been great for our recruiting, for sure, along with the training, and uh, graduated it so that as people really start to take off, um, it's very sweet for them to stay. They're happy, and I'm happy, and it's just it's been just a really, really positive thing. So we're really on the other side of that transition now. We're well into the growth phase, and uh, we're having people approach us regularly to join. We are very, very... Um, I don't know. I don't think picky is the right word. I like to say discerning because what I'm looking for is someone that I really believe that we can help them create a really great long-term real estate career and someone that can help us build an even stronger business and take amazing care of our clients. So we we do turn people away fairly regularly. We're looking for fit where it's going to be a real win for the individual as well as for the brokerage. Um, and that's not always, you know, we're not the right fit for everybody. Not, no one brokerage is the right fit for everybody. But by focusing on the fit, um, that's, that's been really, really important. We have a, a team advance that we host every year. And this kind of ties into recruiting. We were talking a year ago, January, about who we're going to basically be wanting to have Come join us. Who do we want to find and invite onto onto our crazy our crazy island, as we call it? And uh, we we just brainstormed all these words at our team advance, and then we kept narrowing them down, narrowing them down, till we ended up with three words left on the board, and those three words were authenticity, respect, and trust. Because what we came down to, Mike, is if we have those three things in place then we can teach, we can train, we can support. We don't all have to be the same, but we know that if we're dealing with a teammate who's authentic, respectful, and trustworthy, that they're going to look after our clients to the best of their ability if they step in because we have to step out for some reason. And so one of our team members then said, that's spells art. And that's now our new tagline is the art of real estate. And so for us, there's a wonderful story when a client says, what does that mean? We're able to bring it right back and say, well, it comes right down to who we invite to be part of our team and the experience that we want you to have. And by bringing our interview process, you know, into that whole picture, those are the three things that we're really, really looking for. Um, that's something I'm certainly happy to share a bit about with if you'd like as well. But that's kind of our, our transition and our, and our story. And honestly, right now, it's quite an energizing time. It feels like... Um, uh, a, a new brokerage in many respects, a new team, and yet I've got people who've been with me for many, 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 many years since, you know, way back to 2001. My training manager has been with me since then. So we have this strong core and this exciting, um, fresh influx of new team members. So it's um, it's a very energizing time, very energizing time. It's fun. 
Kathy, I, I want to step back for a minute and take some of that in. You basically told us that you lost four of your key team members for different various reasons, about a third of the team, that production fell by almost a third. A lot of us would take that and, and feel it was a loss and be depressed. You apparently have looked at that differently as change and optimism and energized. My question to you is, how are you doing that? How are you keeping your mind upbeat and, and you have a great mental state there? How are you doing that? What are you, you must be doing something to stay up. Well, I, I do. Um, I have a very strong morning ritual. I would say generally it's you know minimum four, ideally five days a week for sure. I'm in my den by 7 a.m. for an hour. I literally have my coffee set up and I go out, get my coffee and I go straight into the den. And my husband's usually up earlier with the dogs and he's put the fireplace on in the den for me because he knows that's my routine. And I start my day with an hour of quiet. I'm an ac- actually an, an, more of an introvert than an extrovert. I guess technically I'm an ambivert, but I really do need that alone time to regroup. And what I've learned is if I can have that quiet time at the very beginning of the day to, to feed myself with what I need, then the rest of the day I can pour out and enjoy it. If I don't get that time uh, by about day three or four, I'm not enjoying the pouring out of energy. And heaven forbid that I should resent it because that no one, no one in my world deserves that. So my morning ritual is, uh, is something that's become very, very precious to me. I write, I journal, and I start with three gratitudes. And, uh, you know, that's always interesting because it's pretty easy to come up with the first one and the second one any day. So you have to dig for the third, you know, what, what do I have to be grateful for from yesterday? And one of the powerful pieces that I've really, really come to, um, come to value in the last couple of years is the next one. And that is I look for three pieces of evidence. And I, I'm trying to know where I, where I first heard this, but it's just one of the most powerful things for me anyway. And what that would mean is, so for instance, we're going through this transition and we've had some people step out and then we're looking for some new people. What's one piece of evidence? Well, a piece of evidence might be um, we had three inquiries yesterday, um, you know, about people saying, oh, well, we're interested in, in, uh, in learning more about your brokerage. Uh, a piece of evidence might be one of my own realtors saying to me, you know, I can't believe how I feel like I'm a three-year veteran realtor and I'm only eight months in. Um, and I had someone say that to me. They said, the training program so great. I just feel so confident. That's evidence that we're on the right track. So I literally try and think back what specifically happened that's telling me that where I'm going is on the right track. Or conversely, is there something I need to pay attention to? But I always look for three pieces of positive evidence first. So that's really important. And then I set my intention for the day. So my intention this morning was basically I'm going to have a great call with Mike. I'm going to have fun. And I'm going to share some information that's going to help some people. That's, that was my intention for, you know, for the day. So hope, hopefully we're going to be on track with that. So I do some writing. I'll do some, I'll do some meditation. I always have a business book on the go. So I usually read for about 20 minutes. And I like to do some stretching. That's really, you know, something that feels feels really good as well. So that's kind of my my morning routine is to spend that time with that. And I also will read through my affirmations. Um, I revisit those every quarter. And each quarter I write what I call a desire statement saying, what do I want my life to look like a year from now? And I write it as if it's already happened. So, you know, writing things a year ago saying we're going to be at, you know, 17 uh, realtors by now and these are going to be amazing people and I can't believe the awesome people that have come into my life that I have the privilege of mentoring and supporting and watching them begin their careers. So I write it as if it's real 
today and I read it every day. And it's amazing watching how that becomes reality and how it just fuels you. So it's, it's a choice to stay positive. It's, um, it takes effort and it takes some structure. You know, I don't always want to get up at seven in the morning, go to my den, but by the time I get there with my coffee um, and sit down, I'm glad I'm here. And, you know, if I've had a super late night the night before, I'm not rigid about it. I'll let myself sleep in and maybe I don't have, have my, my morning ritual one morning or at least maybe I'll just go and just do some stretches or something. But that's really important. The other thing for me that I've just come to understand, I'm a late bloomer in this department, is just the amazing power of, of fitness. Um, I started just sort of walking a couple of years ago. I've really been quite a couch potato most of my life, very sort of cerebral, would rather read a book than go for a hike. And uh, just started walking. And then last fall, um, thought, well, let me go to the gym and just start, you know, using the treadmill and, you know, really walking a little more briskly. And then someone challenged me last fall, and I ran a 5K in December, the, the Santa Shuffle. And it was more of a shuffle than a run. I'm not going to tell you. I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> out for the Olympics. No one's, no one's chasing me down for their, for their Olympic team, and that's okay. Um, but, you know, I felt like... I felt like a gold medal winner when I shuffled across that, that 5K finish line. And I walked part of it. You know, I ran part of it and I walked part of it. But it, I felt like a million bucks. And I trained for it with a girlfriend and we made it a shared event. And now I've, I've continued that. So after our call today, I've got one, one other thing I need to do business-wise and I'm going to go to the gym and hit the treadmill for a bit. And that's just been so, so powerful. And, I, you know, you can tell people this. And people can, have told me this for years. But it's like anything else until you experience it. You know, it's hard to believe the the positive impact that the fitness can have. And I think if there's one one little book I would recommend, there's so many books that I would love to recommend, but a really great one because we all love to say we're going to change. And so many people start out saying, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start out and I'm going to go running every day, seven days a week. Well, that's not realistic. Maybe what's realistic is going and buying a pair of runners and a membership to the gym. That's how I got started. I mean, I already thought, well, if I pay for it every month, I'm going to go and use it. But there's a book called The Spirit of Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N, and it's by Robert Maurer, M-A-U-R-E-R. And he talks about just making tiny, small changes. So I would say to someone, you know, who's listening to this, thinking, oh, gosh, I should start a morning ritual, too. Well, I didn't start it with an hour. You know, I'd probably start with five minutes sitting down and writing down three things I was grateful for. You know, so just be, be gentle with yourself and start out with something small that you can actually fit into your schedule that isn't a huge, big intrusion. If it's too big, it, it, it just feels overwhelming. And eventually what happened for me is I was just enjoying more and more of the various elements and it just grew on its own without me having to push. I also understand that you have a, a fairly structured life. Could you tell us a, a bit about your planning process? Well, the planning, like I was saying earlier, you know, in terms of the annual planning, et cetera, I put my big rocks in, we plan our time away, all those sorts of things. Again, it doesn't mean that it doesn't shift and change, but I like to start out with a plan. And if I have a big rock that says my husband and I are going to get away for a week in the spring, if something comes up and I need to be in town for that week, that's fine. I will move that big rock. I won't remove it. So by putting those priorities in place, it's really important. Each week when I plan out my week, I put in my gym time. Now, occasionally, does that have to get moved? Yes, occasionally it does, for sure. And do I always make it three times a week? No. But if it's in my schedule for three, I'm going to make it for two, you know, 95% of the time. And I'm going to make it for three, you know, at least 90. 
And, you know, so having that in front of me every day and seeing it becomes in a way like its own affirmation when I look at that schedule. It tells me I'm on track and it reminds me of what's important. And then on a daily basis, it's that the Jim Rohn quote, I think it says something like, um, you know, don't begin your day until it's on paper. Um, Every night I will plan my next day. I just quickly pop down my appointments. The three key things that have to happen tomorrow, you know, it might be a, you know, a certain report has to get filed. It might be a condition removal. It might be something else critical with, with the board. It could be any number of things. But what are three things that absolutely have to happen before I put my head down on the pillow tomorrow night? That goes at the top of my sheet. I also rewrite what are my three business goals for the week and what are my three personal goals for the week. I rewrite those every day on the daily sheet because that's like, again, just it's just programming it into my brain reminding me, oh, yeah, that's right. Personal one might be I haven't talked to my friend, you know, in, in ages. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her a call and arrange a coffee. You know, if I write that down on Sunday afternoon, I do my weekly planning. That's great. But seven days can go by and I might forget. But if I rewrite those three business and three personal goals each day on my daily strategy, chances are pretty good they're going to get done. So that's that's a really, really vital vital part for me is that that daily strategy and again just has the appointments in it, has, you know, those three key things, my business goals, personal goals for the week. And then I also, you know, just keep um, some, you know, big nugget tasks or things that come up during the day. I'll just, you know, I've got space there just to jot them down and then see how they fit into the bigger plan. I think I understand you have something called SMART. What what is SMART? Yeah, smart. Uh, smart is basically when I'm doing my uh, my annual plan and when I'm doing my 90-day plan. It's the categories that I use in terms of uh, just looking at at the things I want to accomplish. So we've all heard about smart goals. Well, this is my version of smart goals. So for for someone who is running a team or a brokerage, it's sales, marketing, admin, recruiting, and team. So, you know, under team, it could be, you know, training, team development, recruiting. The categories are pretty self-explanatory. And then for me, I also will sort of theme my days a little bit during the week. So today is Monday. It's Marketing Monday. Um, I'm working at home for the day, and uh, that's when I can work on a marketing project. Uh, Tuesdays is very strong admin day for me. I meet with my admin team if I have admin tasks for myself to do. Again, Wednesday is very much often focused on marketing, uh, maybe a little bit of client work. I do still a little bit of client work myself. Thursday is my team day. We have our team huddle on Thursdays, and uh, that's my time to meet with realtors one-on-one if they want to look at business development, things they're working on, et cetera. And then Friday is a bit more flexible. I usually do some networking on Friday, maybe a lunch date with somebody, um, trying to sort of keep my my business contacts uh, going. So for me, I just like that. Again, some people don't want that much structure. I just know that I'm really good having a day at home, working, and then a day at the office because I am kind of that ambivert. I love that my alone time in my den. But by the end of Monday, I'm ready to be with people all day Tuesday. By the end of Tuesday, I'm ready to be back in my den, working away. And by the end of Wednesday, I can't wait to see my peeps at Huddle on Thursday. So that's just my own rhythm. I think it just comes down to knowing yourself. There's some really great new tests. If anyone Googles ambivert test, um, they're talking a lot about people who are ambiverts now, not just pure introverts or extroverts. And when I discovered that, I thought it makes perfect sense. You know, uh, I used to think I was a split personality. I used to think, I love being with people. And I think, oh, gosh, I've got to have some quiet. And I really need both. So understanding that helped me to structure my week in a way that keeps my energy level up. Kathy, let's back up for a minute, make sure everybody knows where you're at. Where is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada? 
Edmonton, Alberta, Canada is in one of the most beautiful places you could possibly imagine. We're about three and a half hours directly east of the Rockies, and we're about three and a half hours directly north of Calgary. Many people are familiar with Calgary because it's a big international airport. Um, we are the capital city, I will just have you know. There's a little friendly rivalry between Calgary and Edmonton, mostly friendly. Um, so that, that's our, that's our, our market. Um, Calgary boasts that you can see the mountains from there, um, and you can't see them quite from, from where we are. But that's, that's where we're at. We are very much an oil and gas-based economy. So everything you're hearing in the news is front and center headline news here. Um, four hours north of us is Fort McMurray. That is the oil sands. And uh, I've talked to realtors up there. I've talked to their board up there. And, you know, it's a very, 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 very different story than Edmonton. Calgary has a lot of head offices for the, the oil and gas industry. Um, they're feeling it in real estate more than we are. We're having people come to Edmonton from some of those other markets. So, so far, we're holding pretty well. Our prices have softened a little bit, and our volume as a board is down a little bit, but nothing like what people thought was going to happen when um, the price of oil started to, uh, to plummet. What's the population there in Edmonton? Basically about a million in the Edmonton, you know, greater municipality area. Do you have a, a niche or a specialization? You know, really, I would say that, you know, our, our, our niche is really, um, you know, it's a family. You know, I'll have lots of realtors who will want to do, um, you know, multifamily work or working with investors, et cetera. And that's all great. That's fabulous. And I love having that specialization on our team. But I will always remind them, don't forget your bread and butter is families. Investors pull out when the market shifts, right? Multifamily can take a lot of time and you're not necessarily earning the same, you know, commissions per door. Let's be honest about that. Um, so do those things. Those are great ventures. But focus on families and you will always have business. People are always moving. Sadly, they're getting divorced. Kids are being born. Kids are leaving the house. Parents are needing to downsize. Kids are needing condos for, for university and college. Life is happening. So as long as life is happening, and you're, you're well-connected with families, there's often a real estate spinoff. I always say that, you know, real estate, you know, should serve people's lives, not the other way around. And when we see someone move, you know, in real estate, it's not because they decided to put everything they own in a box and turn their life upside down. It's because something else is happening. And as long as that something else keeps happening, then we'll always have, have business. And that something else happens with families. You know, it's the family life cycle that you want to be a part of. So, for us, it's really all about the referral, repeat, past client. A lot of our clients, we certainly do a lot of work with first-time buyers. A lot of our clients are in their 30s, maybe selling the smaller house or the condo, moving to that next property. And we're doing more work lately also with people downsizing. A number of our team members have had their senior specialist res uh, designation. And so that's something that we're doing more work with. I think we're probably doing three presentations on downsizing just, you know, in the next, I guess last week we did one, we did one a couple weeks ago and we've got another one coming up. So that's going to be a growing portion of our business as well. But in terms of source of business, our biggest source of business is really our, our sphere. Let's jump in and talk about your past clients' sphere of influence, this repeat and referral business. My understanding is last year that was 76% of your business, three quarters of your business. So it's a, a big chunk. Let's dive in. So first question is, how big is your database of past clients and sphere of influence? About 2,500. Wow, 2,500. Does that include the sphere of influence of all the people on your team? Yeah, all the realtors. Yeah, it does. So when, when they come in, you know, that's something that um, we really look at at uh, 
helping them to build. It's interesting now because, of course, we still do a mailer, and uh, I know it seems a little bit counter, maybe counterintuitive to uh, everything being so digital right now, but that's part of the reason we still do it is it's so easy to hit delete. Um, you know, in your inbox, uh, when your inbox is so full, um, it's not so common to get a piece of mail. And here in Canada, our postage rates have gone way through the roof. So sending something is quite costly. So when someone actually receives something in the mail, they do tend to open it and it does tend to stand out. So we've moved away from doing that every month to doing it now every other month and then doing more more digitally. But yes, we do um, have every single team member in that. I am finding that people in their 20s are less likely to have mailing addresses. So what we do is we encourage them to uh, build that that mailing list and send it to you know to their sphere and friends at their place of employment because you usually know where your friends work. And gee, that's probably even better than having it go to their house and sit on the kitchen counter. Now it's sitting in the uh, you know the lunchroom. This database, you had 2,500. Are the 2,500 just past clients in sphere of influence? Or do you have other leads in there, such as sign calls or internet leads? That would basically anybody that we've met, whether people, you know, where our, our realtors or myself, we feel that, you know, there's a relationship there. Um, those are people that we feel that, we, you know, if we ran into them, we would know who they are. It could be someone that we just, you know, meet at a property or an open house and have a genuine conversation with. Uh, it's not necessarily um, someone that, you know, has just been a, you know, an, an email inquiry. Usually it's going to be someone that we've been face-to-face with. Do you ever remove people from the database? And if so, why? You know, um, for myself and, you know, again, we, it's an interesting business model in that our realtors do a fair bit of flexibility to, to, you know, to manage their own business within, within ours. So it's up, it's up to them. For myself, I've removed it when I've had someone that travels a lot and they said, you know, I just don't want my mail building up. No problem. You know, uh, I know that I have that person as a client. Um, someone would normally have to ask me to be removed. Um, otherwise, I would, for the most part, you know, keep them on. Uh, what's happened for me over time is a lot of the people that I've worked with um, do end up moving on and becoming clients of, of team members uh, because I, I don't work with buyers usually and I only work with a few sellers. So as I need help with my clients, once they develop that relationship, I move them on to that realtor's database because that's who they're speaking with. That's the ongoing day-to-day real-life relationship that they've got, you know, right now. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. How do you track your database? Do you use some kind of software? Yeah, we use Top Producer for sure, um, and we use Entreport for our email uh, database. But um, I don't know if you're familiar with the new, relatively new Castle legislation in Canada, but it's um, that's the Canadian anti-spam laws. We have the tightest anti-spam laws, I think, seriously um, on the globe. Um, so that became a very big issue a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago, where we have to have explicit, explicit permission to email someone. Or we haven't. We can have implied permission. In other words, if someone were to contact us and say, "Hey, I'd like to know the price of this house," or "I'd like to know something more about it," that's implied permission. But that's only good for two years. So we would either have to track it 
the date they went in and removed them after two years, or we have to get explicit consent. So that really played havoc with um, realtors across Canada with their databases. And we did a massive phone campaign to our past clients to get that explicit permission. It's challenging going back. Um, to people and asking for it, but we actually have people sign off now. Every new client now signs off and says, you know, absolutely feel free to get in touch with me and they can always, you know, remove themselves if they, if they choose to. But that, that was a very big uh, practical challenge that we, we had to deal with a couple of years ago. Well, it sounds like you, you took the effort. How long did that take? You, you said you did it by phone calls? Yeah, we had our we had our staff doing that, and uh, you know, again, you know, it's when you're working with a, a new client, um, they're quite happy to you know to give permission to be in touch. But even clients that are very happy to have worked with us in the past don't necessarily want something coming to their email, and I totally respect that. So not everybody said yes, and that's that's totally fine. Again, another reason why for us our newsletter is something that you know um, remains important. We are always looking at it, and I'm looking at how we could eventually maybe switch it to digital in a way that you know we. Would would retain the uh, the interest that we have right now, but yeah, it is so easy to hit delete, and not everybody wants something coming to their inbox. So for us, having having something in place, we've been doing that mailer for so long, um, you know, certainly has always always stood us in good stead. Let's do that. Let's talk about how you're staying in front of your past clients and sphere of influence. Maybe you can give us some broad strokes first. Could you tell us maybe your annual marketing plan and what's involved? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of pieces that are just just consistent. Um, you know, our, our newsletter goes out every other every other month. We do put something out um, on our email um, using Entreport every week, and um, there's there's a structure to that. We put out something called the Schmidt Report, which is the the monthly um, market report as to what's happening with our take on the statistics as well as um, what our board is putting out. I'll put something out mid month as well um, in that regard, and all of that also goes out on social media. Um, as well as on our, our website also. So, you know, it's very easy. We make it very, very easy for people to get the information they want. That's what we hear consistently back from people. Is just, it's just so easy to get what I need from you guys, you know, and that's that's what we love to hear. So that's, that certainly is, you know, a very, very big part of, of the annual plan. We do an annual client event, and it's always a lot of fun. It's pie day. I happen to just love pie. So why not, why not have a, a whole day about pie? And uh, literally, we have a local baker, um, just amazing woman who um, we met at the farmer's market, and she will make us, you know, about three, 400 pies and deliver them all about eight in the morning on a Saturday. And we just invite, you know, our past clients, they come by, they pick up a pie. Uh, we've usually got something like face painting for the kids or something like that going on. And we'll have one of the, the banks there usually doing, you know, hot dogs and giveaways. We'll do our big giveaway to Habitat for Humanity at that point as well, um, have some door prizes. And it's just like an open house for about three, four hours. And it's great. Uh, one of the best moments I ever had at a pie day was about three years ago. Two two of my clients, two ladies, were, were chatting with each other. And I said, oh, that's so great. I thought, yeah, you two would hit it off. That makes sense. And I said, like, you know, but did you, do you know each other? You're really, you know, like, I'm just wondering here. It looks like you're really comfortable having a good chat. And they said, no, we just met at Pi Day a couple of years ago. We're Pi Day friends. And <laughs> I, I thought that was just fantastic. So that was, that was a big giggle. So that's, that's certainly something we do. And we just really, we teach a lot um, with our realtors about just staying in touch in the little ways. You know, it's the, it's the little ways. I mean, everybody loves coming to Pi Day, and that's great. But it's the little things. So if you know that you're, you've got a client who's um, taking a trip to Italy, 
you know, and, and Larry and I did that a couple of times. We've gone twice now for a month at each time and uh, it was wonderful. But let's say you know you've got a client going to Italy. You know, maybe come to me and say, Kathy, where did you go that was your favorite small town? Like, you know, what, what restaurant did you go to that was amazing? Email the client and just say, hey, I know you're planning a trip. You know, someone I know was just there and they said, you've got to try this restaurant. That's personal. Or, you know, you know, your, um, your friend's daughter's getting married and you just, you know, you just came across something wonderful in terms of, you know, uh, a new idea to try, um, you know, at the, at the wedding dinner. You know, you just say, hey, here's a website. I just saw this, this cool idea. It made me think of you. It's personalizing it. It's those tiny little things. It's, it's driving by, knowing you're going to drive by your client's place of work as you're on your way from, you know, A to B at one point today, calling them and saying, listen, I'm going to be driving right by your office. I don't have time to stop for long, but I'm grabbing myself a coffee, you know, on the way. Can I bring you one? It's, you know, this is not earth, this is not earth shattering rocket science here. This is just about connecting with people and making them feel important. Um, you know, one of my, my most beloved mentors was Howard Brenton, and you probably know Howard. Mm. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot of these things from Howard because Howard had the gift of making everybody in the room feel special. <laughs> he, he was a master. He was a master. And it doesn't have to take a lot of time. And I would watch him in a crowd, you know. I asked him about it once. I said, how, how do you do it? And he said, someone said to me, I'm like a little butterfly. Just land on everybody's shoulder for a minute or two. And everybody just wants to feel like they matter. So again, whether it's, you know, dropping someone, you know, a quick little personal note, again, it might seem a little old fashioned, but people don't get mail anymore. You know, it can be just something as little as those, those small little touches, sending someone a text and just say, just drive it to your neighborhood, hope you're having a great day. You, they matter. They're not just a transaction, they're a human being to you. And those tiny little things, those are, those are the threads that create this beautiful, you know, web and connection. Then when they do need something or they know someone needs something, well, of course, they're going to call you because you didn't just do the transaction and disappear and they didn't just receive stuff from you or marketing things. You know, they mattered to you, right? And they knew it. People can tell. That's the, the glue that keeps it all together and makes it work, those personal contacts. But you also have this structured element where you're sending out pieces to stay in touch with everyone. You mentioned you have this you have this written newsletter that, that's mailed out. You're sending it out six times a year. Tell us about that newsletter. What does it look like? How many pages? Is it black and white color? What is, what is it? Yeah, it's full color. It's like an 11 by 17, you know, folded. And again, it's personalized. So each of our realtors takes the front page. And we encourage them to, to really make it quite personal. So it might be, hey, we just got back from a great family vacation to, you know, whatever, to Brazil, you know, um, where are you going this, this summer? And include a couple pictures of that to show that, you know, we're people just like everybody else. We have families just like everybody else, and we have stuff going on. Or it might be, you know, here's my top 10 books I read last year, and, you know, I just wanted to share them with you if you're looking for a good read over the holidays. Or sometimes it might be, here's what's happening in the market. Um, I've been doing a lot of work with investors recently, and this is what we're hearing. So whatever message they want to get out that is true to them and their personality, because, again, we're very similar in the team in terms of our values, but we're all different people. That front page is about connecting on a personal level, sharing, this is who I am. I'm working, you know, I want to connect with you in a real way and uh, have you feel you get to know me. So that's the front page. And then inside, it's going to be 
properties for sale, obviously, properties sold. We'll have some testimonials in there. If there's a contest we've got going currently, that'll be in there. Almost always something inspirational in terms of a quote. I'm a bit of a quotaholic, and words are powerful. That's why I'm a believer in affirmations. I didn't used to be, but I'm a big convert now. And so, you know, we'll definitely have something positive in there. And the back page is something that usually I will write something about, uh, whether it's the market, whether it's some trends in real estate, some things to be aware of, um, anything like that. It's usually something of, you know, really importance. Or for having Pi Day, it'll be all about, don't forget about Pi Day. So something that's, you know, more fun from the whole team. So what it ends up being is something that arrives, you know, on their client's doorstep, very personalized to them. But from their point of view, all they have to do is they write the message. So they'll write a short message. They send us the photos. We put it all together. It hits the mail. They don't have to do any of that. But they reap the rewards of it, and it's a positive thing for everybody. So we're trying to free our realtors up from some of that day-to-day and most of that day-to-day sort of grinding out of the marketing things and just give them tools they can use to build their business. Also mentioned the Schmidt Report. Tell us about that. It was a monthly report? Yeah, the Schmidt Report comes out once a month, and um, we just expanded that to four pages. The inside spread is all the our board statistics, two sets of infographics. And our board, um, they, you know, their numbers, they post those numbers usually the day after month end. But we still have a couple business days to get sales in. So I like to wait a couple more days and then compile our stats. So I'll be doing that uh, actually this Wednesday. And uh, then I'll go through it and say, let's look at one segment of the market. So I might look at what's happening in condos right now. What's happening in the high end? What's happening with infill? What's happening out in the burbs? So I'll pick one pocket and write a bit about that. And then the back page will highlight a neighborhood. We'll give a little bit of a history of the neighborhood, maybe some photos, and then a snapshot of what's happening in the market in that neighborhood right now. So that goes out to a lot of banks. Um, we send a lot of copies of that out to, to lenders, and they have it available for, you know, for their customers to come and grab. It goes out on all of our social media channels. So we really take anything that we do, we milk it and make sure it goes everywhere. So again, we'll send it out on our, our um, entreport by email, on all the social media, on the blog, out to the bank, all of our client packages, etc. So um, it'll be sitting at the front desk of our office as well. So it goes everywhere. And then mid-month, I'll do something similar. Um, just, hey, here's what's happening. Here's how things are looking so far this month. Something being a little more, you know, short, probably just one page, and uh, you know, fire that out around uh, online as well. In this, do you have scheduled calls? Are you calling your past clients in sphere of influence, say, once a quarter? You know, I don't. Um, I know a lot of people who do, and I applaud them. I really sincerely do. It's it's a cha- it's, it is a challenging thing for myself. Uh, what I have found, and what my team has found, is we tend to keep that list of clients, and if people come to mind, as something comes to mind, we think is appropriate, or as we're in their neighborhood, pick up the phone as well. Um, texting is really really great for that because what we're finding is everybody's busy. People don't necessarily want to pick up their phone and have a long chat. So sometimes just a quick little text we're finding is a really nice little touch base, you know, literally just to say, hey, I'm to your neighborhood today, and I know that you painted the front door. It looks awesome. You know, it can be as simple, it can be as, simple as that, um, just a, a quick little hello text. Um, and I think a big part of it is just making sure we're staying in super close touch during uh, the transaction and for a good while afterwards as well. Our follow-up is really consistent. We do have schedules for all of that. Um, you know, when a transaction happens, there's going to be, you know, a notice that goes out to the realtor to remind them, hey, you've got to touch base so-and-so, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Uh, they closed two weeks ago, they closed a month ago. And it's great because when you're running busy, it's like, oh, yeah, I wanted to talk to them. And we do want to get a hold of our clients. 
and we keep thinking we're going to get at it. But when that reminder comes from the team, from our admin team, it's like, right, right, okay, I'm just going to stop what I'm doing and quickly pick up the phone or send a little text to Mike and see how things are going. In the newsletter and the report, are there any calls to action? Yeah, there, there frequently are, especially, you know, on on. The newsletter, most every time, actually, I think we just revised it yesterday. I just met with my, my graphics person. We're strengthening the, the message on it. But our referral rewards program is on that every single time. And on the market report, there's always a call to action saying, you know, but anything from uh, you're curious about your neighborhood, you know, curious about the value of your house. We're always trying to encourage people just to look at us, you know, as, as any good realtor would. Just, you know, that we're the resource, right? You know, don't feel you have to be moving to want to know what the value of your house is. It's a smart thing to be keeping that in mind. Give us a shout. We'll fire you off a, a quick estimate. So, yeah, def- definitely, for sure. The referral rewards program um, is always on, our, always, always, always on our newsletter. Tell us about the referral rewards program. What is that? You know, that's something we put in place a number of years ago. Um, the way our, our brokerage is structured, we look after all the marketing costs. But when we sat down and looked at how much business we do that is referral, met with the team and said, listen, we look after all the marketing costs, and that's cool, but we should be doing even more for the people who refer to us. And I'd love to, but we do so many of them. The brokerage can't do it on its own. Do you want to share the cost of it? And everybody said, absolutely. So the referral rewards program is pretty simple. As soon as someone sends us a referral, so let's say, Mike, you, you know, I get an email from someone, um, John, and John says, oh, Mike says, I have to call you. You're, you're the best, best realtor in Edmonton. That's great. And I'll say, oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Now, I just want to make sure, you know, it's Mike Sroan. I got the right name, et cetera. Absolutely. I'm going to fire you off a handwritten note, and I'm going to fire you off something like a memory stick or a Starbucks card or some little gifty just to say, hey, thanks for mentioning my name. And if, let's say you called me up or you emailed me and said, hey, I'm going to send my friend John to you. I would do the same. You can't control if John actually calls. And you certainly can't control if John actually buys or sells. What you can control is attempting to send me that referral and mentioning my name. So we always stop right away and say thank you for that before anything. You're going to see on the card that you get, it's going to say, hey, you know, if John buys or sells, I'll be getting in touch and uh, we'll be sending you a $100 gift certificate. We have about six different uh, gift certificates that we keep in stock and choose the one that you like. Uh, everything from, you know, chapters to Toys R Us to, you know, um, restaurants and things like that to spas and people can choose what it is that they would they would like to receive. So it doesn't get paid out until there's a deal. So, you know, it's not like we're doing paying out uh, $100 gift certificate just for someone sending us the referral, but we still acknowledge that referral immediately. And we've had, I mean, I'm trying to think it was a while ago, but uh, I think we had one couple get three of those in one month. This is great. I'm going to the spa. I'm going to go buy some books and then we're going out for burgers. You know, um, it was it was awesome. So that's that's how that works. And we're we're able in our, our province to do that. You have to know your own legislation because some provinces and states might not allow it. Um, so again, that's something you have to just make sure you do your homework on if you're going to put that in place. Thank you for mentioning that, Kathy. And so for everyone listening, make sure that you look into what the rules are in your state. Talk to your broker. Make sure there's no RESPA issues in the U.S. Find out exactly how to structure that or make sure that it works uh, for your area and your broker. Uh, but thank you very much for letting us know about your program up there in Canada. You also do what I think you phrased as focused networking. What is that? Well, I guess I, it, maybe focus isn't the best word. Intentional networking maybe is a better one. 
Um, many of our realtors will, you know, participate in, you know, business networking groups, official networking groups, and those can be very effective. One of our realtors has really built a lot of her business based on a group that she she became a member of. But we also found that it doesn't have to be official. It doesn't have to be a breakfast group that meets at seven in the morning where everybody has to bring one referral. It's a question of intentionally building up your business network and treating it as seriously as you treat your your client network and your sphere. So, you know, we're not, and we're going beyond lenders and lawyers. We're just talking about who do you know that's in business? And so let's say, you know, you know someone who does um, wonderful, um, you know, home renovation and you know someone else that um, is, is an investor and they bought and sold some properties with you. Well, you know, those are people you can put together. You know, you're not going to, in quotes, earn, you know, a referral fee for connecting them, but you've helped their business. So we're always looking at the people that we know, our clients, what are their businesses? What other businesses are we connected with, you know, in the city? And how can we introduce these people to each other? Because if I introduce, you know, two professionals to each other and they end up doing business, they're both happy now that I did that. And that's, that's a positive thing. And you don't do it just for what comes back to you. But doing, doing a good thing does bring good things back to you, I believe, in most cases. So if we can be the person who connects other professionals to each other, again, now we provide them both with a service. So it's those, those little coffee dates. Again, it's just those little, those little emails. It's treating our business contacts in the city the same way we treat our clients and just making sure that we are in touch and we're providing something of value. Um, again, doing things like offering to do lunch and learns, those sorts of things that we can bring in that are of value to them and their, their employees. Always trying to think, what could we do that might be of assistance and add value to what you're already doing in your business? How can we help you? Not, can you please send us your, you know, your staff to buy houses? How can we help you? Right? Right. You're always uh, putting out. I, I'm reading a book right now called Give and Take and Always Be a Giver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the, the go-giver is a, is a similar one, I think. I, and that's one I recall from a few years ago. Absolutely. You know, bottom line is anything you're doing in, in marketing, and, I, you know, I, I'm always talking to newer realtors about this, is, you know, just, just remember, are you offering them something of value? If you're dropping something off at someone's home, is there value in it? Or if you're honest about it, does it just look like you're asking for business? What are you providing of value? You know, if it says, for instance, hey, you want to know what your house is worth? Call me. Okay. But what about if you said, hey, here's what all the houses have been selling for in your neighborhood. Here's what's happening in the market. Um, depending on when you bought, if you bought 10 years ago, you've earned this much more. If you bought five years ago, your house is worth this much more. If you want more specifics about your particular property, call me. Now you've given them something that right there in their hand, they have information they didn't have before. That's the asset test. If they have to pick up the phone to get something and they have nothing in their hands right away, you haven't given them anything of value. You've asked for something. Well, Kathy. I know you also have mentioned that you generate some business from, I think it's Kijiji. Is, is yep. that the way you say it? And, and what yes. is that? Kijiji really is like Craigslist. It's, it's crazy. It's where people sell their bicycles and their, their old stereo equipment and houses. Um, it, it just works very, very effectively. So we always put our properties on Kijiji and then we always watch them on a daily basis. And if they, you know, they, they fall down to before a certain level, then we, we bring them back up to the top. So what we do with all these things is we track. I'm, we're big on tracking. So if we're going to do Kijiji, we're going to watch and we're going to see at what point, you know, at what page do people, do things drop off to and then the calls drop off. 
uh, maybe it's okay to be on page two or page three, but page four, suddenly we notice if things are on page four, we're not getting the calls. Okay, well, then we need to bump it back up when it hits page three. So we're trying to be smart with our dollars and make sure that we're investing them in a place that actually is having impact. If page one and two are equally um, effective, then that's fine. We'll leave it if it's on page two. If it drops off again, if it hits page three or four, then that tells us we need to be bumping it up. So all of our new listings uh, go on Kijiji. If there's a price change, it goes on on Kijiji as well. If we change photos, it goes on Kijiji. And that's just another little tiny thing. But in terms of photos, I'm sure anybody who's taking the time to listen to, you know, to your podcast is, is probably, you know, keener and already on these things. But Right now, we've just had our big melt. So we now have brown everywhere, a little bit of green here and there, mostly brown. And the snow is all gone. But we have a lot of listings with snow on the front lawn. So, you know, we've had a big push this last week getting all those exterior photos redone. And we use a professional photographer, and we do really, um, really work hard to make those photos of such high quality. But we will not have a house with snow on it sitting there in April. Similarly, after the first snowfall, um, you know, there'll be a week of getting new photos done, getting them processed, reloading them on all the different sites and all the different places and reprinting all the brochures to make sure that it's current to season. So that's a free posting. You put that out. Did you, is there a cost? Yeah, there, there, is, there is a cost to Kijiji and there's a cost to bumping it up again, which is why we're always just tracking and saying, okay, at what point do we need to bump it up again? Um, you know, what's effective and what, what doesn't matter, right? Yeah. And are you generating mainly buyer leads then? Yes. Do you ask them to call your office directly or do you send them to a 1-800 number? Do you ask them to email you? How do you bring those leads back into your business? Yeah, I mean, our website is there and then we always have a chat. We always have a chat line available to our office. And one of our other big points of difference, Mike, is our office hours. I mean, we're a, you know, we're a boutique style brokerage. We're not 150 people, but we have the longest office hours that I'm aware of in Edmonton. We're open nine to nine, Monday through Friday. And nine to five Saturday, Sunday. We close two days a year unless there's unless we've got someone sick and no one can fill in. We're only closed Christmas and New Year's. And that is because people want to do real estate when they want to do real estate. And it's not just the clients, it's the other realtors. You know, if you're another realtor and you're busy and you've got a relocation client in and you've been showing them houses all day, you drop them off for dinner, they call you at eight thirty and say, you know, what are we thinking? We're coming from downtown Toronto in a condo. We should look at condos tomorrow. So can you pick us up at nine and show us condos instead of houses? Well, it's 8.30 on Friday night, and maybe you've lined up, you know, 10 houses to show them. You say, absolutely, I'll make that happen. Well, you pull up MLS, you look for the condos, and I, you know, um, again, it, it just makes sense that you go for the path of least resistance. If there's 20 that pop up, and one of them is a Schmidt Realty Group listing, and you know that someone's still at the office and looked at showing for you right now, do you think that might be the one that you show first? It's going to be easy, right? So, and having a real life person be able to coordinate that is really, really important. So, yeah, they do, they do generally call the office. They can email as well, um, or they can go straight to our website. Um, they can contact us via the individual property website and book a showing direct from that, or they can request it via the, the live chat on our website. So, they have lots of different options, whatever suits them. But it is going to come in central. It doesn't usually go straight to the realtor. It comes into our office. And then you redistribute those leads out? Yeah. Well, Kathy, I want to switch gears here for a minute, and I want to talk about your team. Could you show us the, the structure of your team? Sure. Well, there's obviously myself as a broker owner. Myself and my husband are the, the sole owners, so we're an independent brokerage. We're not part of a franchise. 
We have a general manager who is full-time salaried uh, staff, and we have three part-time assistants, a finance assistant, a marketing assistant, and an office assistant. And I just want to say these these ladies are part-time in their hours. They're full-time in their commitment. The the quality of work and the amazing people that we have is just, I just pinch myself daily. You know, the our finance assistant does our conveyancing. Whoever said conveyancing had to be done at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. Why can't it be done at 7 o'clock on a Thursday evening? You know, she she uh, basically her her involvement with our group is this is her travel money, and uh, she works a good number of hours for us, and she's just fabulous. Our marketing assistant has fixed hours at the office as well, but then she also, as we need various things done for graphics, etc., we fire it off to her, and then she just charges us on an hourly basis for what we actually need. And then Jennifer's our newest team member, and she's the office assistant, so she's responsible for, you know, all the supplies and gift inventory and all those sorts of things at the office. So they're generally working evenings and the weekends. And we also have one other um, office staff who is currently on maternity leave. She just went off. We we all had a baby last week. We're pretty excited. And uh, when she comes back, she'll come back probably in about an 80% role because by that point in time um, with the team growth, we're going to need that. So it's actually um, all working out really quite well. And then we have, as of, we will have as of next week, uh, 17 realtors with us. And again, right now, 11 of those are interns, meaning they're still in their training process with us. So they're maybe through boot camp, but they might not be through their full training process with us. What is the training process and how long does it take? Oh, well, I have to warn you, Mike, I'm so passionate about our training process. You might have to, you might have to just interject and tell me to stop because um, <laughs> I, I always say, I teach at the board sometimes as well, and I always say to the students there, if I'm here, you know, in front of you today, I want you to know I want to be here. And to me, any day in a classroom is a good day. If I'm at the front of the classroom leading, it's a good day. If I'm where you are and I'm learning, it's a good day. So, you know, I want to be here. So I'm passionate about education. And my training manager, who's been with me since 2001, my right hand, Sabrina, um, she's equally passionate about about education. So um, that is her role as well. And I should mention that she is a licensed realtor working with her own clients. But I would say at least half of her job now is the training manager function. Um, so she is very, 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 very deeply involved in that. So the training process consists of an eight-week boot camp, and then we consider anyone an intern until they've done uh, 12 deals, 12 solid deals of their own. They might step in and help other people with other deals as they're working, because um, we do a lot of that as a team. We do lots of collaboration because everybody likes to have some life balance and take days off and weekends off and holidays. But 12 deals of, of their own, um, we consider them then to be, be through their intern phase. So boot camp. Um, when someone's in boot camp, they have something to do every morning, five days a week for eight weeks. So on Monday morning by 10 a.m., they will be sending me their schedule for the week and their three business goals. And I want to see what I'm looking for is, you know, are they understanding what they need to be doing? Are they focusing on what I call the Schmidt 12, the 12 basic things that they should be doing in terms of seeing properties and touching base with people, et cetera? And when are they actually going to do those things? Because I, I have a little, little saying that is a what without a when is just a wish. So I look at their goals, which are their what's. And I look to see when in their schedule they're going to get them done. If I don't see that, then that's just a coaching opportunity for me to say, you know, great goals, awesome. When are you going to do some of the steps that are going to get you there during the week? I don't necessarily see the when in there yet. So I coach with them back and forth on email a little bit about that on a Monday morning. 
I was actually just doing that this morning. I always really enjoy that. So Monday morning, they have to send me their, their weekly schedule and their goals. Tuesday, they're in class. And in class, they're going through one of 16 modules. So we have uh, recorded training modules that we have built in-house that are based on Edmonton real estate and Alberta real estate laws and common practices in Alberta and how we like to see things done and how we believe things are best done. So they have all those recorded. So they'll watch those and then they will come to class and they'll know, for instance, what today is going to be, say, on communication. So Sabrina teaches a class Tuesday and Friday with them. Wednesday, we have intern huddle. Intern huddle is for everybody that's still an intern. And it's literally just a round table of, okay, guys, what's going on? Who's got a challenge? Let's all learn from it together. Or Sabrina will bring a topic to go through with them. And then Thursday is our team huddle where we all come together and go through what's happening in the market. Um, sometimes there's some team building, um, some role playing, um, some teaching, some guest speakers, those sorts of things for about an hour, hour and a half. So for a new realtor, one of the things we discovered, Mike, was that many people, it's the first time they've not had basically the structure. And it doesn't come naturally to everybody to build in that structure. I, it does to me because I spend a lot of time in the corporate world, and I guess I'm just kind of a, a structured person in terms of my time. But not every realtor is, and, and that's fine. But we discovered that if we can put that structure in place for them, they feel better because they know what they're supposed to be doing, and they launch faster. And they, they, they tell us they like the structure of knowing, okay, I've got something to do every morning from Monday through Friday for eight weeks. After those eight weeks, they're still going to the Wednesday intern huddle because they're still obviously still doing those, those first 12 deals. And for another eight weeks after boot camp, they're sending me their schedule on Monday morning. So again, we sort of just sort of, you know, pull back a little bit less on the structure and let them build their own structure um, as things progress. So that's, that's the training program in a, in a nugget. Um, there's a lot more to it. There's a lot of really hands-on. Um, Sabrina actually goes to appointments with them. I will sit and meet with them. Um, we've done role plays. They can watch a full video role play of a buyer interview or a seller interview. Um, you know, anything you can imagine that they need in terms of getting started um, is there for them. And then after that, we always have uh, two emergency responders on duty, two of our senior realtors. And every day we page the team out and say, okay, your, your ER today is, might be Sherry, might be Connie. And the whole team knows, hey, if I'm in the weeds, that's who I can call. And for the first two deals that anyone's doing, they are sort of tied to the hip to our training manager. And basically, they need anything, they just call her and she is there for them. Well, you want to get them up and running quickly. And that, that's a great idea to have that boot camp at eight weeks. That's two months. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Now, I, I was listening to the way you've structured your team, and I didn't hear someone doing a bunch of paperwork for the, the folks such as listing management or transaction management. Are the are the realtors doing that themselves? They do some of it, and we do some of it. And, of course, it's different in Canada than it is in the States. We don't have escrow like you have. Um, it goes straight to lawyers here. But, yes, our, our general manager right now is managing all the listings and doing all the marketing work for the listings, and that's very, very, very systemized. So they don't have to touch any of the marketing for the listings other than um, getting it on onto MLS. We look after all of that. And then our finance assistant looks after the conveyancing, getting the documents off to the lawyers, et cetera. So that's, that's handled. So they, have, they still do have some paperwork, but it's, it's far, far, far less than they would have if they were running it on their own for sure. 
Now you mentioned in the the beginning that you had restructured things as you went through that transition period, and one of those items was compensation and splits. Could you tell us what you're doing today? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a state secret. I, you know, any realtor that sits down and chats with with me, I would certainly uh, be very happy to let them know what our our splits are. And I have lots of handouts that I give to a realtor when I meet with them as a prospective team member. And they're often surprised about that. And I said, well, you know, it's not going to be a secret when you come to work with us. Why would I make it a secret now? <laughs> you know. Um, so I know there's many many teams um, that operate on a fifty fifty split. It's quite competitive here. I will I will tell you. Um, that's just you know from a business owner's point of view, it is very competitive for sure. And a lot of our realtors do very well at also bringing in their own business. So um, they certainly will get leads from us, but our goal has never been to be a lead generating machine. We teach people to fish, support them, and uh, you know have them be people who can stand up in their own in their own right and uh, and really do a, a quality quality business and have referrals coming back to them. So our realtors now um, start out on a 70-30 split, um, 70 to them, except for the first uh, first transactions when they're interns. Ten uh, percent uh, additional goes to our training manager. That's a, a training training fee essentially. They also sign a contract that says if they leave before they've done those deals, that they they owe the brokerage a certain amount. Because we're not looking to be a training school. Um, you know, we are a brokerage looking to train up really really great people. Um, things may change three or four years down the line, but our intention is just to have people come on board, train, and leave. So we're we're pretty clear about that, and we just really like to set that out from the outset. But um, as they move through production, they can move up to a 90-10 split. We have one of our realtors who will be at an 80-20 split uh, within a couple of weeks. I figure by the end of June, he'll be at a 90-10 split for the rest of the year. He will have made great contributions to the brokerage, done good business, and generated a lot of business for himself as well as run with leads from us. So it creates a win-win. And I think it really creates strong retention. Um, you know, there's so much that people can do now online in terms of marketing on their own that there's, a, I think, a, a perception, understandably, that, you know, uh, it doesn't cost that much to uh, to do marketing. But it, it really does. I mean, I've worked with some really good consultants. When I learned to do webinars, for instance, uh, a couple of years ago, I hired someone to teach me to do them. And I was literally doing them, recording them, sending them off to someone for critique and having them sent back. Well, that takes time and it costs money to do. Um, it takes money to learn how to do these things you know, well. And I think that's what I see is a lot of times a new realtor will think, well, you just put stuff out on Facebook. Well, putting stuff out and putting the right stuff out is a very big difference. <laughs> <laughs> you can do more damage sometimes than good. So, um, you know, that's where we're always dealing with, um, I call it like a healthy tension between uh, the realtors having their own sense of individuality and at the same time, maintaining our brand. Um, you know, I, what I love about this business is there's not just one way to do it. You know, there's brokerages of 200 people that do very, very well. There's brokerages of, of three people that do very, 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 very well. Personally, for myself, I feel that I want our brand to mean something, which is why I want a consistent marketing approach. I, I don't want, you know, 20 realtors all doing things 20 different ways because then our Schmidt brand doesn't really mean much other than it's a bunch of nice people who do things differently, each, each person. So that's why, to me, consistency is so, 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 so key. And that's one of the things that we um, we talk about a lot on the team is the consistency in our marketing, um, consistency in what we're putting out there. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, ma'am. I might have gone off on a tangent there for you. No, you did a great job. Great job. Kathy, are you profitable? Yeah, I mean, absolutely we are. Uh, the forecast this year is we'll be sitting at about uh, 28% of, uh, you know, yeah, about 28%. Profit, so that's looking really, really great. I'm a firm believer that you invest 
I'm a firm believer in taking a long-term view. So I think that's something that I think if people are starting out, if you look at any business starting out, first three years, often people are not profitable. And I think in real estate, realtors often expect to be profitable day one. And it's a challenging thing to do. Similarly, if you're, you know, a team or you're a broker and you're taking on new ventures, you have to be willing to take some dollars out of your bottom line and invest them. And I'm not afraid to do that. And I think that's, I think that's really, really important. Um, I'll talk to our new realtors about that and say, listen, you're planting seeds. You're planting seeds. We had one of our realtors uh, last fall. He had a frustrating fall. He was working so hard doing all the right stuff, planting all the right seeds, and in really investing his time in that case more than anything. And, uh, you know, I kept saying to him, it's all going to come together. Well, he's our superstar so far this year in terms of numbers. He's probably going to take a break here pretty quick. But, you know, he's just had a stellar first quarter because he was planting the seeds. So whether you're investing your time or you're investing your dollars, I think you have to be willing to invest in your business and take a long-term view and say, okay, so what's that going to look like in a year and two years and three years? Is this a smart investment or not? And then you have to be watching it and tracking it. So everything new that we're doing, whether it's, you know, the Kijiji or whether it's something we're doing on Facebook or, um, you know, our, our, our database management or anything else we're doing, we're always measuring it to see, is, is there the return there that we expected? If yes, let's do more of it. If no, let's tweak it and maybe we drop it. So, you know, it, it's, all, it's all part of the big picture. I think you have to take a big picture view when you're running something like this. Kathy, you have the CPA background. I assume that you review your P&L. How often do you review it? You know, I keep something I call the dashboard, and I look at my dashboard monthly. But I, I'm on my cash flow, you know, a couple times a week just because that's just how I've always run. Um, that, that is my background. So I always know where we're at because this is very much a business that um, is quite impacted by the seasonality of things. You know, you can do a ton of deals and your team can do a ton of deals, but we all know there might not be much cash flow for maybe 90 days in some seasons. So I think people get themselves in trouble if they don't watch that. So I'm always watching that. I know what's coming up. and I, I always compare that to where I expected us to be at this point in time. And if we aren't there, why not? Um, if we're ahead of it, what did we do right? Um, and so, yeah, so I would say I look at um, the cash flow a couple times a week and I look at my dashboard once a month and then the P&L probably quarterly. Kathy, what drives you? It's interesting. I'm very, I'm very fortunate in that I am naturally a, a pretty high, high energy person. So I, I have the privilege of letting a lot of things drive me. But my personal mission statement is to learn and grow and to teach and inspire. And when I'm looking at where I want to invest my time, that's what I look at. Um, seeing someone that I know I've, I've taught a, a class to or that my training manager has mentored, seeing that person come into the office and going, oh, my gosh. You know, I got the listing and I, I, I actually feel like I know what I'm doing. Well, yes, you do know what you're doing and you're doing great. Um, that feels just absolutely fantastic. It just feels fantastic. Um, and the same thing we're, when we're meeting with sellers, you know, having that conversation and helping them make a great choice. Sometimes that choice is to not sell. Some of my best clients have never moved because when we looked at it, it didn't make sense for them. But they've sure referred a lot of people to me. So I think it's just really helping people make great choices does drive me. Um, for myself, I always want to be challenged by something new, learning something new, um, and growing. And if I can, through doing that myself, inspire some people to find places for themselves to grow and learn, um, then, then that's what drives me. Kathy, why have you been so successful? 
Well, you know, I, I always say because it's so successful because I think, gosh, you know, I, I want to be doing better. Um, but I think maybe that's part of it is um, when I say I'm never satisfied, I'm, I'm a content person, but I always do like to be looking at for what, what's next. I think part of it is consistency. I'm very, very consistent. When I set a plan out, I will follow it through. I will evaluate it. But I'm not going to just quit because it doesn't feel right anymore. I'm bored of it. So I'm very consistent in my marketing, very consistent in my processes. It allows me to evaluate what's working and what doesn't. If we're constantly changing, there's too many variables. You can't ever figure out what's working, what's not, if you only do something once. Um, I think another big part of it is I hope that each of my team members feels like a VIP to me. That, you know, I look at my realtors and, and they're, my, they're, my first, they're my first and most important clients. They have to be. Um, you know, they're paying to, to be a part of our brokerage and they're looking to me for, for leadership and training and support and tools. So, and our staff, oh my gosh, you know, just the most amazing, amazing staff. When I met with my, um, my graphics manager yesterday, she initiated a meeting. She said, I want us to get together. I'm noticing we're using a few different fonts and we've got a few different things going on. We need to create a standard branding practice book. I said, okay. What's that? Let's meet and do it. She initiated that. She didn't have to do that. You know, so I hope that by treating each of these people as the valuable team members that they are, that the VIPs they are to me, by empowering them, by acknowledging them when they've done right, by treating them with enough respect to, you know, gently, um, respectfully correct if I feel something could have been done better. I hope that by doing, you know, all of that, that contributed to everybody's success. You know, we are a team. We are, we're individuals for sure. We're not clones of each other, but we all want to have individual success as well as team success. So I guess it comes down to really focusing on my client's success and letting go of the outcome for myself. Same thing for the realtors, to focus on building up their success. And at the end of the day, that, that will come back. That'll come back in spades. And it makes me happy to say it also comes back in hugs. <laughs> That's great. But Kathy, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting into business, what would you tell them to do first? I would tell them to figure out how many people they actually know face-to-face, get all those names on a list, and get that list growing daily. And be absolutely intentional about it. Um, Vital. And those people have all got to know that you are the person that they can trust and come to. And you've got to give them reasons why. So you have got to give them valuable information, re, you know, worthy of their time content, right? Um, not just not just fluff. So that'd be the first thing really is just get your sphere list and make sure that they always know you're in real estate. You don't have to be flogging it saying, I'm in real estate, I'm in real estate, you know, come buy a house with me. But you might say if you're at a social event, oh my gosh, I saw the most gorgeous kitchen reno yesterday. Have you ever seen a concrete countertop? It's fabulous. I'd never seen one before. Well, I think, oh, what do you do? Oh, well, I'm in, I'm in real estate. I happen to see this. I was in this gorgeous house. There's ways to weave it into the conversation so you're not saying buy and sell with me. So I would say, you know, there's really three things. You have to have people to talk to. You have to know your products. So you have to know um, what's going on in the market. You have to understand what's happening with the stats. So I would say study the stats so that you have some things to say when people ask you about them. So, and then of course, you've got to be out and seeing properties, you know, so you've got to know the stats, get out there and see real estate, even if you don't have any clients and increase the number of people that you're speaking to on a daily basis and look for ways to help them, whether it's in real estate or something else. 
Kathy, do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Oh, absolutely. I mean, honestly, I have to tell you, my first five years in the business, I, I'm serious, this is not an exaggeration. I don't think I drove to buy milk without listening to something. You know, we've talked about Howard Britton. There's lots of people out there who who have put out information over the years. And, you know, whether what I'm saying today resonates for you or not, there's still value in it because you might think, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. Well, you can ask yourself then, well, then how would I do it? It gets you thinking. So it's invaluable, absolutely invaluable. Well, Kathy, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Real estate is such a privilege, and sometimes I think we can we can forget that. You know, we can start to feel like, oh gosh, I've got so much to do, and there's a lot of work involved, and we all work very, very hard. But I would just encourage you to stop and be grateful for the privilege of the work that you have. People invite us into their homes, in their most intimate situations, in their in their tragedies, in their happy moments, and just to remember to be grateful for this privilege that we have. It is an amazing profession that we have. It's been very good to me. I've enjoyed it and I look forward to enjoying it for a lot more years. So I would say just just to remember how much we have to be grateful as realtors and what a wonderful profession it is and what a tremendous privilege and responsibility it is. And to think about if you're going to maybe try one thing that you've not tried before, sit down and write down three things you're grateful for at the beginning of the day. And if you really want to go crazy, look for three pieces of evidence from yesterday that you're on the right track. Well, Kathy, you and your business are on the right track. You not only survived the loss of four key people, you thrived by looking at it as a time for positive change and transition. You retooled your system and made it stronger for the years ahead. You showed us how to start off your day on a positive note with a morning ritual that includes looking for three pieces of evidence that you are on the right track. You onboard your new realtors with the eight-week boot camp, a mentor, and daily emergency responders for a fast start. The future looks bright. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 367 homes last year worth $101 million after starting life in poverty. Find out who she is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV real estate agent lead generation television and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal demonstrate and discuss their best lead generation methods visit realgtv r-e-a-l-g dot tv if you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage check out my masterclass webinar titled top five free lead sources for real estate agents learn more at freeleadtime.com That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to the Mastermind Agent Interview of the Month Club. 
where top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com.